Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. This guy's being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. I'm Joe Marino of NDT Scouting and Fan Reg Sports, joined by Kyle Krabs, who's the founder and director of scouting with NDT Scouting, also with Fan Reg Sports. And we are your hosts here on a very special edition of of the Draft Dudes podcast, one that I've been looking forward to for a while now as we've been working behind the scenes to put this together. We are going to dig into the polarizing prospect that is Wyoming quarterback Josh Allen. But first, before we get into that, Kyle, welcome to the show here on this Hump Day edition. Josh Allen just looks like a quarterback. <laughs> We're here to talk about him today. We got the NDT scouting draft scout a palooza here on draft dudes looking forward to uh joe i'm not gonna steal your thunder here i'm gonna let you introduce the panel but i'm doing good it's hump day we're gonna talk about quarterbacks on draft dudes i'm ready to roll you know this this entire idea is very self-fulfilling for me because what this comes from is a place of fear a fear that my beloved Buffalo Bills are going to draft Josh Allen and not just draft Josh Allen, Josh Allen, but spend an entire year executing seven different trades to trade up into the draft to draft Josh Allen. And I think this is a real fear that a lot of fan bases have Cleveland Browns, New York Jets, Denver Broncos, Cleveland, you know, even the Giants. There are so many teams in play that, are very much linked to Josh Allen, and there's a very strong possibility that he's going to go high. And so I want to dig into this thing with, you know, four of three of the guys that I respect most in the NFL draft world. Uh, obviously, Kyle Krabs, who's going to be on our panel. We've got Ben Solak, my dude, uh, with uh, obviously NDT Scouting and Bleeding Green Nation, and, and uh, John Ledger, NDT Scouting, Pro Football Weekly, Fan Rag Sports, Lockdown NFL Draft Podcast. Did I get them all, John? Is that is that uh, everything you're doing? I'm these honestly days? trying to remember right now. I'm not even sure if you got them all. I <laughs> oh, the Steelers uh, locked. Uh, That's right. Not locked on Steelers. Steel but, City uh, Insider. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. John uh, is writing all day long, so uh, it's awesome because I'm I'm a big fan of John's work. So I wanted to get the crew together here uh, to just get into all things Josh Allen, and so we are we are going to do just that. Um, I guess we'll get a word in from Ben. Ben, welcome to the show. Thank you, Joe. And while I, I, I may not have the, all the writing spots that John does, John, did you catch that my dude that Joe gave me? I'm, I'm Joe's my dude. And so thank it you for nice that. It was nice that he drew you like a little, you know, consumer. Yeah, a little bone, right? Yeah. Like, all right, Ben just writes here, but he's my dude, so don't worry about it. <laughs> You've got a he's couple gigs, too. You've got like three gigs, dude. You're, you're getting up there with me. Yeah, I, I aspire to be you, man. You're my oh, idol. I'm working towards it. Hey, Meyer. This is getting weird. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so, so Josh Allen, let's get into this thing. Ben? Um, you've watched every throw Josh Allen through this year as part of your contextualized quarterback series, a, a fantastic publication that people Very can check sorry, out on anydoubting.com. So, Ben, tell us, what are the best things? Ben, what are what are some of the best things about Josh Allen if, if you wanted to be completely optimistic about no, certainly, and uh, I'm glad that I get to answer it because it's important to talk about the positives. They're there with every player, regardless of how you feel about them, and Josh definitely has them. Firstly, you know, which is the easy one, the, the arm talent is out of this world. I mean, he, he doesn't make every throw yet, but he certainly has the potential to make every throw that's ever been seen on the football field because his arm is unbelievable. We're talking about a guy who every tight window to the boundary across the middle of the field, he can, he can slam it in there because he can put an insane amount of velocity on the ball. He can throw on a rope 20, 25 yards down the field, talking air yards. He can put it in any spot that he wants to when he's on. And then when you talk about the deep areas of the field, this is a guy who has incredible reach and the ability to lay in the play after moving outside of the pocket can still threaten very far down the field. And as he moves off his spot, as he moves to the left and to the right, you still have to be aware of the full field if you're a third-level defender because he has the ability to be outside of the right hash and reach the left side of the field, right? And so this is a, a young man who, if the potential is fleshed out, if he reaches his highest, then you certainly have a guy who can make every single NFL throw. You add in the fact that we've, we're going to talk more about his mechanics, and this is something that gets discussed. Mechanically, I've always thought he was a fine quarterback. He has as many idiosyncrasies as the next guy. Maybe he has some inconsistencies, as most college quarterbacks do. But uh, good drops from under center and from the pistol. Knows how to control his body, despite it being very large and very lanky. And so he gets himself into a ready position to throw quite quickly, and he's able to release off-platform as well. So all of that is good news. And then you add in the F athletic ability. This is a guy who's able to extend plays. He can shed pressure in the pocket. Really crazy contact balance. Something we don't talk about a lot with quarterbacks is rarely a, a reason to, but he can really hold himself up well in the pocket. It helps him extend plays, and he's a threat to run, which always helps. So that's the positive stuff that you see. A lot of it is based on building him forward. A lot of it is based on projecting him forward, which is the reality with Josh. But those are the positives. Those are the good stuff, and you see that on Wyoming tape pretty regularly. Now, I, I, we got to flip gears here to the, the negatives, the worst things about Josh Allen. The obvious choice to answer this question is going to be Kyle Krabs. Uh, let's hear it. Yeah, thanks for uh, sending me out here with just like uh, right on the tee, talking about some of the minuses on Josh Allen's game. All the things that Ben talked about about Josh were what? They were physical traits. There was no mm. inkling of any – mental positives to his game. And I think any time that you get Josh in a watered-down situation where you know it, it's very elementary, he's going to be the best in show. We saw this at the Senior Bowl. 
when he's throwing one-on-one routes as he got better and better throughout the course of the week. I don't think this was a case of Josh acclimating to NFL coaching in a span of three days. I think this is controlled conditions allowing a player to not have to worry about all of the elements and layers that take place on a football play. So if you go back and you look at his film, and Ben, this is something I'll be interested in cross-checking at you a little later in the show, I thought a lot of Josh's best throws were throws to the isolated receiver on the backside of the field because he's mm-hmm. got a receiver and a defender over there. Those were the throws that were consistently on time, well-placed, put where they need to be. Once he has his eyes in the middle of the field, in the defense, in the teeth of the defense, and he's dropping back and he has to worry about pass rushers and working through his full field of progressions, the decisions are made slow. The the mechanics break down. The decision-making is poor. So all of the minuses that are out there for Josh, I'm not going to disagree with anything that Ben said, physically an extremely gifted athlete and a very gifted thrower of the football. Is he a quarterback? Can he understand and process the things that are happening on the field? Gets rattled under pressure. Uh, he, he's late delivering these throws because he has to see the break a lot of times when it's in the teeth of the defense. He's not comfortable throwing consistently to spots on spot throws. So th- those are the concerns that I have with Josh. Everything is between the ears. So, yeah, good point, Cal. And I think that that brings us to the point on Josh Allen where we need to think about what we're doing when we evaluate quarterbacks. And to me, that's really the biggest thing, the learning opportunity we have from a guy like Josh Allen and from quarterbacks in the past that have been similar. We've got to stop starting our evaluations with arm talent and athleticism and size, and those things are always view them all as ancillary traits. They're they're good things to have, no question. You guys, if we're starting our evaluations with those things, if those are the most important things to us when when evaluating quarterbacks and the things that we point to right away to say this guy's a top tier player because he checks those boxes, we're doing it the wrong way. It's not the way quarterback evaluation is supposed to be done. And just about every quarterback throughout the history of the game has proven that point. Sure, we've seen good quarterbacks with great arms, but they also had terrific mental capacity to think the game at a high level. They processed the game while it was happening, both pre- and post-snap. They were workaholics in terms of how many quarterbacks that have been great have not been workaholics in terms of dedicating themselves to their craft, whether mechanically, mentally, film study, things like that, working with receivers, whatever it might be. Those kinds of things set quarterback prospects apart. Accuracy to all levels of the field, ability to throw with anticipation, mechanics, even under pressure, maintaining your mechanics, pocket poise under pressure. Those are all things Josh Allen unquestionably lacks. And the crazy thing is, even people who love Josh Allen admit he lacks those things. They just act like everything else makes up for it, or they think everything else makes up for it. If this were the first quarterback, first time scouting quarterbacks for everybody, that would be fine. I could understand why they would reason through that. We are further along in the evolution of looking at quarterback play and evaluating quarterback play. We need to stop going back to square one. We have learned this lesson before. Now it's time to take what we've learned, move it forward, and apply it to quarterback prospects in the coming years. I mean, in this draft would be a great place to start because it's a perfect example of that. You know, you have guys with who check those boxes and Josh Rosen, Baker Mayfield, others in this class, 
and they're not getting the same amount of attention and apparently billing in the draft to somebody like Josh Allen because those sexy tangibles aren't as obvious with them when it's doing quarterback evaluation backwards. So to me, that's one of the big concerns I have with the whole Josh Allen discussion is that more so than just being unfair to Allen and what his current skill set offers, we're setting ourselves back in quarterback evaluation when we have ample evidence to suggest that it's time to move forward. All right, so we've got a pretty detailed picture here of what Josh Allen is, what he isn't, and some of the uh, some good insight from all three of you on on where you guys stand with Josh, which is going to set a really good stage for the rest of this rest of this discussion. Now, one thing that I, I immediately start thinking about with Josh Allen is I wonder, you know, did the light bulb come on for Josh here over the last few months? If you look at his last two games, his bowl game with Wyoming and the Senior Bowl game, he was a combined. 20 of 32 for 312 yards, five touchdowns, zero interceptions. There's so many positive comments about his improved footwork and his improved mechanics at the combine and at the pro day. And he's got a lot of momentum, it seems, at least from the big draft. Ben, what do you make of, of the way Josh finished his career and some of these remarks about how things have looked better in some of those mechanical and footwork areas so far in this pro day and combine. Yeah, I um, here's my theory. We came into the summer, you know, way back when, nine months ago now, with so much hype around Josh Allen that was already even then misplaced. And I wouldn't be shocked if that hype and that conversation and that difficulty, uh, that discrepancy, I should say, was because I think Josh Allen is probably a fantastic passing quarterback in practice, which alludes to exactly what Kyle said. When you start putting mental roadblocks in his way, when you start talking about diagnosing coverages, when you start talking about having to make full field reads and move through progressions, he falters. When you put a defense up against him, he is in trouble. But in practice, where he knows the route that's happening, you know, Kyle talked about isolation routes on the backside, just one receiver. That's a, a, a perfect example. That's a pitch and catch. Allen's got to get the ball to a spot. His receiver's responsible for separating, hitting a break on time, and getting there, right? And, and so I think that one of the first things that we've seen from Josh Allen as far as the, the conversation around him is that he practices very well. NFL teams get to see that, and it gets to relate to us by more big media guys. You go through the season, Allen struggles, he puts out poor tape, and then we get back into the, the pre-draft season now, which is combine, which is pro days, which is him be, uh, working out with private visits. And this is where he shines. This is where he does really well. We saw him in senior bowl practices Monday, shaky, not a great day for Josh Allen. But as he grew more comfortable, we began to see very clearly that when he was in one-on-one drills and when he was in seven against space, when he was in, in 11 against space, he was a good quarterback, consistently hitting throws. You start putting defenses in there as seven-on-seven drills, 11-on-11, and then in the practices, he struggled a bit. Now, the game at the senior bowl was good. Don't really care. If a senior bowl is a smattering of players who have never played together or play, practice for a week in a different playbook, that doesn't interest me very much. The CMU game, the bowl game, sure, that was very, that was a fantastic Josh Allen game. That's what it looks like when he's good. A lot of shot plays, and he's able to hit some of them. A the big turnout, also some really stupid decisions. That's what good, you know, peak Josh Allen looks like right now. But I think that we, we're, we're getting fooled by this conversation a little bit because Josh Allen is a very, very good practice quarterback when a team just get to watch his physical traits they get to watch him throw it to all levels of the field and we can't fall into that trap because I don't care how well you can practice if you can't do it against the defense I'm not interested so that's where I think the storyline comes from 
Yeah, I think the biggest thing with Josh Allen to me is that, and why I am somewhat intrigued by him, I would say, and I say this in comparison to where I know Cal has him, has him graded uh, at the bottom of day three. While I do have a, you know, a fringe you know, just inside my, my top 100 and you know, in that kind of mid to late round three uh, type of range, is that I think Josh Allen, more so than other erratic passers who've had some accuracy issues, can string together some strong reps, you know, and so it's not necessarily one play bad, one play good, although there is some of that too. I do think he has gaps, portions of games where he strings together some strong completions, some good throws, and he seems like he gets in, for lack of a better term, like a little bit of a zone for a portion of a game. If that can ever be extended with him, I would feel a little bit better about it. Now, there's way too many turnover-worthy plays. Now, there's way too many times where it's just as long a period where he's off of that uh, and, and where he doesn't seem to be able to focus, to process well, to stay poised in the pocket, things like that. So, you know, whatever those factors are, if a, court, if a quarterback coach or an offensive coordinator, whatever, Mike can, can recreate the things that help make him successful for those stretches of play, I think that makes him even a little more interesting as a prospect. That's, to me, what separates him from somebody like Logan Thomas or Christian Hackenberg or guys that I just thought there may have been some physical tools there, but I just thought there was never anything you know, consistently special on tape. You, you you do see that with Josh Allen. You did see that a little bit at the Senior Bowl. You also see the opposite end of things, too. So uh, his issues, I think, kind of maybe are more like drive-to-drive drive or quarter-to-quarter, half-to-half than it is play-to-play, play, if that makes sense. So I think that there's enough good things strung together that he intrigues me as a developmental player. Um, you know, super risky, obviously. Wouldn't take that risk in the first round or anything. But I do think that there's – there's enough to his game that I would feel better about him as a top 100 prospect than somebody like Hackenberg, where I was just, there was just no, nothing to me that appealed that nothing that was appealing about him to me as a prospect. And he was in the late stages of the draft for me and grade wise because of that fact. So that's the one thing that would stand out to me about Josh Allen that I think, you know, if you're looking for a guy who's maybe getting it or it's clicking for, I think those instances of play this year were the strongest indicator of that to me. Kyle, any thoughts here? Any light bulbs coming on for Josh, or, or do we need to overlook this and stay, take uh, most, most of our focus be in, in the you know the several two years of film before these two games? Yeah, I think John said a couple of things that I'd like to unpack on real quick here. Uh, one of them being uh, not something that he would invest in in the first round, and I think that's reflected in where I have Josh rated. Uh, as a fifth fifth round value, uh, I'm not going to be the guy personally that hedges his bets on being able to unlock the potential here. And and I don't disagree mm-hmm. with John that Josh was a streaky player and he had some promising stretches. But here's my issue: all of the promising stretches were against Texas State. And I think he had like six interceptable passes against UNLV. Like the t- the three best teams that Josh played this year were Iowa, Oregon, and Boise State. He averaged 148 total yards, one touchdown, and 1.33 interceptions per game in those three games. You go back to 2016, Nebraska, Boise State, BYU. He averaged almost three interceptions a game against those three teams in 2016. So, yes, there's streaky good and streaky bad, but streaky good is almost consistently happening against subpar competition. And look, I know we're going to get into 
the the supporting cast around him. That narrative is dead as far as I'm concerned. Ben Solak charted these. He had the lowest drop rate and the highest percentage of interceptable passes. Okay, so you want to sit here and you want to blame the, the offensive line for poor pass protection? Great, but one of Josh's few really shining traits as a passer right now is the fact that he can extend play with his legs and he can absorb contact and shake off sacks. So I, I just looked, look at the film. I try and put in context the things that John was saying because I totally agree with the reaction that he has, and you do see some glimmers of hope here. And I just don't see conditions that are going to make me want to make that leap of faith and be the one that invests in Josh and assume that I'm going to get the best out of him. All right, guys, I want to shift gears to being forecasters here and predictors, and I want your personal opinion. I think Josh will get drafted. What is the ceiling and what is the flame and pick? Yeah, so I think the ceiling for Josh is probably going to be two to New York. I'm still sold that, that Cleveland's going in on Sam Darnold, and you know maybe – New York decides that they want to go the quarterback route. I know it's kind of a long shot at this point. Sounds like they're they're more invested in either Quentin Nelson, Bradley Chubb, or um, Saquon Barkley. But I think that is a ceiling where you could see him get his name called. The floor is probably six to Denver. Like we're working with a really small window here, as far as everything we hear and the buzz and all the the guys that are out there that do forecasting in the draft are forecasting him to be a top five pick. So I think those conditions are going to lead to a very early selection for Josh, and I think his window to wait is very small. I guess you could consider him at number one. I mean, I have no issues with considering him at number one. I think that, you know, the conversation's still open there based on everything that we know. But, yeah, I would say most likely two, uh, maybe three, um, and, you know, the, the the lowest would be Denver. It really feels like he's locked into to one of those top five spots. One is the ceiling. Uh, I think six is the floor. It's pretty much, you know, it's it's – it's cut and dry that way. You're going to have at least four teams in there who need quarterbacks, and he's consensusly viewed as one of the top four as he's going somewhere in there. Hey, you, with a rhinestone dog collar. Between us dogs, I just convinced my human to upgrade to a new home with a 1,200-square-foot bathroom. I think she called it a yard. With Wells Fargo's 3% down mortgage option, my human realized a new home was within reach, and I only gave her puppy eyes once. Get your human to talk to a mortgage consultant or learn more at wellsfargo.com slash woof. Wells Fargo Home Mortgage. Down payments as low as 3% on a fixed-rate loan require mortgage insurance. Ask a home mortgage consultant about loan requirements. Wells Fargo Home Mortgage is a division of Wells Fargo Bank N.A. Equal housing lender. NMLS RID 399801. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. So, so guys, just to jump in here real quick, I think this is interesting. Uh, we all kind of have the same range, right? Not to, not to steal Joe's thunder right now, but where would you uh, – John, I'll start with you and, and Ben uh, – where are you personally drafting? I know where I stand on them, and, I, and I'll share my opinions at the end here, but if you were a team that needed a quarterback either in the immediate or long-term future, you know, teams like uh, the Jets, Browns, Bills, 
potentially, the, I guess, not the Broncos anymore. They, they signed Case Keenum in free agency. Uh, so those, those are teams that need a quarterback right now. Or if you're a team that has you know, an aging veteran, be that the Chargers with Phillip Rivers or Drew Brees of the Saints and, and uh, Pittsburgh uh, with Ben Roethlisberger, uh, what's the kind of conditions here and, and what, where would you be comfortable pretending it's you in the decision-maker's chair uh, to make a pick that involves Josh Allen? John. I still wouldn't take him in the first round. I mean, I just think that it's too rich. There's too much risk. There's no almost no precedent, you know, statistically, numbers-wise speaking, for a guy with his accuracy issues, um, to, and especially coming from level of competition and how he played against better competition. There's just almost no you know, pro- profile for a guy succeeding coming from that spot. So it's just too risky to me. I wouldn't take him in the first round. I mean, hypothetically, if you're Josh Allen, a place like Pittsburgh makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, guy Randy Feetner being the offensive coordinator now and coming from an offense developed by Todd Haley that made Ben Roethlisberger a much better quarterback. And so there's a lot of favorable things there for sure. Um, you know, New England, obviously you pair a guy with Josh McDaniels, you're going to probably feel pretty good about their chance of succeeding. And, you know, Bill Belichick, I mean, those are ideal spots for him. For those teams, though, given their window to win a Super Bowl and the value that they could place on other positions right now, and I just don't see, you know, even the team like the Saints, they can go in a Super Bowl right now, get a guy that's going to help you along that path. Um, you know, you don't. You, there's going to be better opportunities to land a quarterback that's better, further along, and more of a short thing than Drew Brees. It's not a desperate situation for them, and any of the teams that it is a desperate situation for, he's not the kind of guy that can help you win right away. So, to me, the first round's just too rich for a guy like that. Yeah, for me, if I need a quarterback tomorrow, I'm not drafting Josh Allen. He's not an NFL quarterback tomorrow. It, it It's not going to happen. Uh, if it does happen for Josh and he becomes NFL quarterback, it will be at least one, if not multiple years down the road. And so Allen is my ninth overall quarterback. Uh, and, and so for me to be drafting him to start tomorrow, then uh, Darnold, Rosen, Baker, Lamar Jackson, Mason Rudolph, Kyle Aletta, all these kids better have gone one, two, three, four, five, six, right? That's the only way I'm considering him early. Uh, and, and I have to be that desperate, you know what I mean? And then we're in a conversation with guys like Kurt Benker, with Chase Litton, who I know you're a big fan of, Kyle, with Logan Woodside out of Toledo. You know, these are Mike White out of Western Kentucky. These are the sort of names that we'd be talking about as far as uh, contemporaries with Josh Allen, if you have to draft him to start tomorrow. Now, I'm much more interested in drafting Josh Allen to start in in 2019 or in 2020 for one of these teams, as we alluded to, that are going to need a quarterback in a couple years down the road. I'm not looking at him until the beginning of day three, probably. That's where I would feel comfortable doing it. Now, the key if you're drafting Josh Allen moving forward, is that you know the quarterback market's likely going to get very top-heavy. It's a great quarterback class. A lot of teams need them. So you can envision you know four going very early between Darnold, Baker, Rosen, and Lamar Jackson. And then let's say Mason Rudolph's off the board quickly and Kyle Aletta's off the board quickly. You can talk me into drafting Josh Allen on day two as long as it's very clear by his draft slot that I am not starting him year one you know what I mean right like like by drafting him on in round three it's a very clear message to my team and to him and to my fans that we drafted a guy who is not a year one starter as long as you can convince me that that my draft slot communicates that then you can go ahead and take him and try to develop him you can you know you can put all your chips in on that bet high risk high reward situation for you Uh, so that's the only thing that kind of entices me as far as a, a day one starter I'm I'm totally out on Josh Allen it's a shame but I am 
Yeah, and, and Ben, I think you accurately reflect a lot of my opinions as well, uh, where my valuation lands in round five. Uh, but if I'm a team that that needs a quarterback, and and you know some of the other names aren't on the board, you know names I have above him are Kurt Bankert, Mason Rudolph, Chase Litton, Kyle Loletta, Sam Darnold. Lamar Jackson, Josh Rosen, Baker Mayfield. Like, I don't think I'm reinventing the wheel here, except for maybe Chase Litton, yeah. who I'm, I'm especially higher on than, than a lot of the general consensus. Uh, if those guys aren't there and we're entering day three, then, then yeah, I'll spend a, I could justify spending a fourth-round pick on the upside. But as far as if I like, – as you said, if I need a starter tomorrow, ain't no way, no how that Josh Allen's going to be – uh, the the decision that I make and and the ta- the target for my franchise going forward. Um, so interestingly enough, that we were expecting some divide, I think here between the the opinions of the panel, which has been whittled away to one. Uh, John Ledyard has, has duty calling. He he's tucked out a little early. So Ben, it's just you and me because. Joe, Joe Marino is also experiencing technical difficulties. So, Ben, I'd like to take this break in the programming to welcome you to the Draft Dudes. Thanks for being Thanks, my special guest here on the show today. And <laughs> uh, we're, we're going to wrap up some conversation here. A couple more questions that we're just going to have some back-and-forth combo on, uh, talking about Josh and the dynamics of, of you know the economics of quarterbacks really in the draft is I think we're, what this is really coming down to as we're we're looking at mm-hmm. the valuation and the the on the field product and there's a very extreme divide between what his film says that he is right now and granted what he could be versus where he's going to be targeted and where he's going to be prioritized. So Ben, I guess my question for you is jobs on the line. And reputations on the line. Why is somebody going to make this decision in the top six? Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty crazy. Firstly, I'm I'm very much enjoying this ten little Indians vibe we've got going on this podcast. Adding a lot of stress. I feel like we're all getting voted off the island. But uh, I, I, there's three reasons I think that teams are going to bank on a guy like Josh Allen, despite how uh, silly and how confusing that may seem to us. The first thing is that NFL teams invariably put faith in development. And and it comes from a, a place of vesture, a place of, of pretty much arrogance, saying we are an NFL team, you are a college quarterback, when you come into our building, we're going to make you better because we're better coaches than the college coaches and we're better weight trainers and, and, and nutritionists and so on and so forth, which may be true, but uh, assuming development will occur because of this character uh, is already uh, kind of a, a shaky bet. That's not always true, right? And so... Because you have in NFL teams, I have an excellent offensive coordinator. I have an excellent quarterbacks coach. My building is good. I've got a good staff in here. We have a, the the right people in the locker room to develop a quarterback. I would I would say that most of the 32 teams likely believe this. You know, if not, then you have other much larger issues in your organization to worry worry about. You, you're going to bet on development. You're going to see upside and say, I can make something out of that. You're going to fool yourself into thinking that you can suss it out with a higher probability than anybody else that's one i think number two everything uh personality wise everything off field all the intangibles we talk about 
it, it, it's peachy keen jelly bean. Josh Allen is the, you know, he's the image of just, he's, you know, got a nice face, got a good smile. He's a likable dude. And, and, and we know we've gone up against this multiple times. We go up against it in every single draft cycle. NFL teams care far more than we do about the personality of their quarterback. And, and we can dress it up in different words. We can call it the off-field and, and the leadership quotient and, we, and the intangibles, but it's personality. They care about how their quarterback acts because the quarterback is typically such a vocal, central part of the offense. A lot of NFL decision-makers have in their mind a, a, a schema, a prototype of how that guy acts. And Josh Allen acts like that guy. He's not uh, 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 assuming, he's not outspoken, he's not uh, aggressive and one-sided, he's likable by everybody, he's a, he's a good leader, he's a guy people can gravitate around. These are good traits, I'm not saying they're bad traits, but we value them to you know X, and NFL teams seem to value them to X to the 10th degree. And so that is another big boon in Josh Allen's camp. And the third and final thing is, and we joked about in the beginning, uh, Kyle, he just looks like a quarterback. NFL decision-makers typically went through the NFL, what, 20, 30 years ago? These are guys who've been involved with the NFL for multiple decades. And their image of a quarterback is really quite different than the image of a quarterback for a lot of younger evaluators. That's something we have to recognize. There is a generational divide. We are afraid of things that we don't know that are new to us and don't understand as humans. That's natural. And so we often shy away from spread quarterbacks who dinked and dunked their way up the college football fields because as older evaluators, as older decision makers, we're more familiar, we're more intimate with an NFL that was more traditional and it was more blue collar. And that's Josh Allen's play style. It's very important to note that's not his offensive system. He ran the pistol. He ran the zone read. He ran spread concepts. But his appearance, his, his facade, the way he seems on the field, his play style, big, tall, strong arm, takes the shots down the field, is able to push the football. We could also say white. There's a conversation to be had there. Is very reminiscent of an older style of football that's very familiar to these older evaluators. That's the reality. And so I think those three factors, the NFL teams bank on development, he's squeaky clean off the field, and he looks, he has the aesthetic of a quarterback. Those are the three primary divides that we can talk about between how we evaluate Allen and how NFL teams evaluate Allen that lead to his inflated draft stock, that lead to a a decision maker saying, I'm going to put my career, I'm going to put my chips in on this guy. I don't really know what I can say to back that up. Thanks, Ben. You really did a no. I I, I like that job. question. Yeah. It's so it was so interesting to think about because what five ten years ago, Kyle, we couldn't do what we do. We couldn't sit right. down and watch game film on on YouTube and get game film that's shared with us through the internet and break people down. There wasn't a platform for this. And in creating that platform, we've now generated the opposing force the opposing narrative that reveals the divide that now exposes uh, the way these NFL teams think a little bit more because now there's a, a contrary opinion and Allen is a perfect case study for this and how his career pans out will be overused in this regard but it will help reconcile these differences it will force uh, you know the sides to start moving towards each other if he plays very well it's going to force a lot of a younger scouts to check themselves and and, and recognize how quarterbacks come through and are evaluated and are developed by NFL teams. And if it's the other way, then NFL thinkers are going to have to try to catch up with the edge. They're going to have to try to catch up with the time. So it's a really, really interesting situation. Very fun to talk about. We, 
I want to talk about if Allen is successful in just a second, but I think one thing that we've been talking about here in the last couple minutes that's really interesting is there's a lot of people out there, a lot of old blood, right? A lot of guys that, that have been around mm-hmm. longer than we have that are going to listen to this podcast and, and call us disenfranchised kids, right? Like we're jealous of the people yeah. that have been in, in the seats as decision makers in the NFL for, for the last 10, 15, 20 years, however long that may be. But it, as you said, it, it really is fascinating that you know, I would like to think I have just as many hits and misses as vast majority of NFL teams, right? That right. you're, you're going to hit somewhere between what, 45 and 55% of your projections in any given year as far as if you like him, you project him high, he's going to be successful. If not, so we're all working under the same batting average here. And there, I want to give a, a tip of the hat to Arif Hassan, who's doing some really interesting stuff. Um, Arif started last year grading people's big boards for success and looking at who was successful in projecting successful players. And there's a pleasant number of people who were able to actually outpace the media, or I'm sorry, outpace the league and project success better than the NFL back in 2014. So Arif waits right. three years for these draft classes to transpire and then grades them based on player success and, and the rankings on the board. And um, my first year back in 2014, that was my, the first year I ever did a draft board. I look back at it now and I'm disgusted with the damn thing. Like It's just... Uh, in hindsight, you learn so much, and an evaluation tool that I use that that's not as cut and dry as I'm going to watch film and, and put a number on them and put them on the board. Um, I've made a lot of changes since that first year. I still managed to finish in the top half of the, the Arif graded 50 media people. I finished 21st. The NFL, I think, was seventh right. or eighth. So the end, I mean, there are people in the media, young people. I think Josh Norris was one back in 2014. Josh is a little older than I am, but he's he's not an old dude by any stretch of the imagination. Josh outpaced the NFL in 2014. So Josh spent one year as an intern with the Rams, I believe it was. So he has some experience with the league, but he he's not this old blood guy that's been in in an NFL front office for years and years and years and years. That that's banking on this. Uh, mystique and the the secret dark arts of player evaluation that you learn in the NFL the first day you sign right. up and they put you in scouting school for two years that does it doesn't work like that right football just as much as anything is a networking business it's who do you know what opportunity were you provided as you were coming up working your way through that connected you to somebody who would pass you on to somebody else and all of our paths take us on different trajectories and I know a lot of people are gonna that that are willing to buy into the Josh Allen brand would listen to a podcast like this and they would instantaneously just dismiss and say oh these guys don't know what they're talking about but Ben as you said this is this is going to be a litmus test of Mm -hmm. the old blood and the new blood and make no mistake like new blood's coming you know it's Father time always wins, and you're going right. to see a change and shift in the generation. You're already seeing it with some 
some decision makers. You're seeing an embrace of the dreaded analytics and, oh my goodness, what does that mean? And, and analytics has been applied to a hundred different things and been given the same general whitewashed definition and, and, you know, very few of them are actually applicable. You're seeing more progressive. I think that's a more appropriate team, term, more progressive right. mentality in, in roster construction and player evaluation in several prominent franchises across the league that I think is going to really be a new forefront in this push for new blood and, and a renewed perspective. So Ben, I want to leave you with this great discussion. Are you afraid of your evolve Josh Allen? Because we both have him QB nine. So th- this is very much flying in the face of what old blood tells us a franchise quarterback can and should look like. Are you afraid mm-hmm. of this evaluation? I'm not uh, afraid of this evaluation any more than I am, I think, of any other one. Uh, you know, I think you take great pride in this, and I, I do my best to as well. I grade in a vacuum. I evaluate in a vacuum. I, I, I watch the tape. I put a grade on it, and then if it flies in the face of everybody, it does. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. Last year, Joe Mathis was first round for me. This year, Mike McGlinchey's not my top 100. People don't like some of the things that I do. You know, I, I, you stand alone on the islands, but that's that's what it means to be an evaluator. You have to be true to yourself. Now, Here's the here's the rub. Here's what's interesting. From my understanding of Josh Allen, if I were to bin him under a prototype, it would be a physically gifted, you know, a little bit decision making lax developmental prospect. And I think you can find a couple of those quarterbacks in almost every single draft. And I think in this class, we talk about a guy like a Chase Litton out of Marshall and a guy like a Kurt Benkert out of Virginia. These are players that are, in my opinion, of similar molds. If Josh Allen becomes a very good player becomes a starting quarterback. Firstly, uh, he was tagged for me as a developmental guy, which means he has the potential to be a good quarterback. I think it's a low potential with Josh Allen. I don't think it's, it's a good chance. A guy like a Deshaun Kaiser last year, I thought was a developmental player with a great chance to become a good quarterback. That was my take on him. Right. And so I think it's a low chance. There certainly is that, but I do think it is a chance add in the fact that an NFL team is going to pour considerable resources, attention, work in camp, extra mechanics coaches into Josh Allen because they spend a premium pick on him. And if Josh Allen becomes good, it can be a little bit of a false positive as far as how we evaluate players. You know what I mean? I'm not saying if Josh Allen becomes good, I'm going to ignore it and say, no, I was right. He had a very low chance of being a good player, and he just you know, was able to hit on that low chance. He hit the lottery. But we do have to be careful of that factor. You know, like Chase Linton and Kurt Benkert, if we take those as our examples, they're likely going to be drafted somewhere on day three. They're not going to get first-team reps. They're not going to get extra attention from the QB coach. They're not going to get all of those boons that will help Josh Allen develop if he becomes a good quarterback, right? And so we do have to be very, very cautious with how we approach Josh Allen-esque players in the event that Josh Allen becomes a good quarterback. And in the event that he struggles, again, we have to be able to recognize when big, strong, mobile, inaccurate, poor decision-making quarterbacks come through in draft classes to come and still give them their fair chance at being successful. So being corrective requires to me when I when I look at my system consistent misses in, in a similar mold in a similar position for similar reasons you know I am um, interior offensive line was a big focus for me coming out of last season because I think I I, I 
greatly overvalued mobility, and I was expecting these guards and these centers to move much quicker than they did, and I had poor grades on some guys who are going to be excellent pros and, and who had good rookie seasons because I simply thought that they were going to be you know, too slow, and I've had to make that paradigm shift because I've consistently missed in that way over the past couple of years. If Josh Allen becomes successful, but the rest of these developmental quarterbacks, in my eyes, don't really do much, then Allen's the one who hit, and you know these guys are the ones who didn't, and that's not going to cause much of a shift for me, especially when you consider the added attention he's going to get. So you have to be very careful correctively. I'm not any more worried about missing him as I am worried about missing on Derwin James, Harrison Phillips, and Ade Aruna. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, I'll notice trends in my misses, and I'll correct them. One player isn't going to phase me much. Right, and overcorrection is the biggest worry for anyone. It's not the miss. It's the miss that causes you to miss again for a different reason. Yeah, you, that's a great you point. You suddenly want to swing the pendulum back the other way. So I think just as there's an inherent confidence and almost arrogance in, in NFL coaches, us as talent evaluators, you have to have conviction in your opinion. You have to mm-hmm. – if you're going to present your opinion to the world – you have to approach every single one of them and say, this is what I believe, and this is why I think it's a fact. So no, I'm not afraid of my evaluation as Josh Allen as my ninth-rated quarterback and 179th-rated player. I'm not projecting where he gets drafted. I'm projecting the likelihood that he becomes a successful NFL player in a specific role. And my, my envisionment here, this is why I love his comp so much. My comp for him is not necessarily, I mean, there's some, there's some traits, comparisons, but it's the development of this player that I really love. It's Blaine Gabbert. Blaine Gabbert was drafted oh, yeah. very high with the intention of being a starting quarterback early on. But Blaine Gabbert was extremely raw. One, one read passer with a big arm, poor mechanics in live game ref situations, a mobile player that relied on his athleticism far too much for his own good. Does that sound familiar? So Blaine Gabbert flames out and then proceeds to bounce around the league and suddenly finds himself a very reliable backup player and a player that can be drawn on in spot start situations and be a adequate NFL passer. But this development for him took time. Is Josh mm-hmm. really going to be afforded several years to acclimate himself so that he can smooth over the wrinkles in his game and become the player that he can best physically suit it to be? I highly doubt that's going to happen. And because of where he's at mentally, I think it has the potential to wreck him. But if he ends up with an opportunity to sit a year, two years. Like, I'm talking Aaron Rodgers' plan here. And I'm not even saying his ceiling is Aaron Rodgers. I think his ceiling's Blaine Gabbert. But yeah, I think that, that player development trajectory for him is one that I really like as far as a comparison. No, that's very interesting. And I think that that sort of a comparison and that sort of a schema uh, speaks to an aspect of development that we – kind of failed to talk about, you know, I, I touched on all these attentions he's going to get and all these, these positives. 
he he needs to get older, you know. He's like just be more experienced. Needs to just grow with time, and that's what we forget. Twenty twenty one year old men who simply have so much ahead of them as far as becoming young adults and and and, and decision making and and mental acuity and maturity and leadership. These are all you know things they're going to just simply acquire by being in locker rooms with players. And there's no greater substitute uh, for development than just simply you know growing day by day older and so yeah that's that's the issue with Josh that you know, that's the rub he's not going to get all the time in the world to develop into a starting quarterback but certainly time in the league you know assuming he's able to stick and stay around is going to help him you know to me you know you bring up Blaine Gabbert as an example a very common comp you hear uh, is Jake Locker. And Jake Locker was a guy who drafted eighth overall. I believe, what year was it, 2012? I think he was, he was drafted was Locker. 2011. 2011. 2011. Right, but he retired in 2015. You know, he he did not get that time, and he left the league, right? And so that, that, that ability to stick on a roster, likely because of draft capital, because of his pedigree, like Sam Bradford keeps getting contracts solely because he was a number one overall pick. If Allen goes high, he'll be able to stick on, on at least a couple of teams and get bounced around and, and stay a few years in the league. Hopefully that time will give him enough to be able to stick on a roster consi- uh, consistently and offer something to an NFL squad. And his, here's what quarterback economics can do to your team. Let's talk about the 2011 draft real quick. The top 16, there were 13 pro bowlers in the top 16 picks in 2011. Cam Newton, Von Miller, Marcel Darius, A.J. Green, Patrick Peterson. That's the top five. Six is Julio Jones. Mm -hmm. Seven is Alden Smith, who's had some off-the-field issues but was a tremendous player while he was on. Jake Locker went eighth. First player in the draft order not to make a Pro Bowl. Tyron Smith went ninth. Blaine Gabbert went tenth. Second player Ooh. not to make a Pro Bowl. J.J. Watt went eleventh. Christian, and, then, and then it's Ponder, right? Christian Ponder went twelve. Oh. The third player not to make a Pro Bowl out of the top twelve. Three players in the top twelve of that class did not make a Pro Bowl, and they were all quarterbacks. Nick Fairley was the third. Wow. He went 13th to Detroit. Then you had Robert Quinn, Mike Pouncey, and Ryan Kerrigan to round out the top half of that first round. Could we see... That's nuts. I didn't realize that about the, 11, uh, the 2011 draft. That's crazy. Could we see? Because I, you know, I have some apprehensions about some of the other quarterback prospects in this draft class, too. Now, obviously, Cam mm-hmm. Newton at one is a boom. 2015 NFL MVP. He, he's been a very consistent player. Uh... Not, maybe not the most consistent passer, but a very consistent player and the face of that franchise. Jake mm-hmm. Locker, Blaine Gabbert, Christian Ponder, top 12 picks. Quarterback economics. If you're going to make the pick, you better get it right. And that is exactly why I'm out on Josh Allen, because that's not the one I'm going to make the pick on. Ben, tell everybody where they can find right. your work, brother. Absolutely. So, yeah, I am a national scout with NDT Scouting, which is a great time. And uh, I think we do some pretty good work there. Uh, I got a good director, got a good assistant director, you know, uh, 600 scouting reports available for premium subscribers. So we're doing a lot of, a lot of fun stuff there. My big project uh, was the contextualized quarterbacking project. We talked a ton about Josh Allen. And he and 12 other quarterbacks in this class, we went through 
uh, every single pass. We're able to chart it, uh, give a lot of context to it, a lot of really powerful data, really interesting comparative measures. And that's free. That's for premium and regular subscribers to this site. So NDTScouting.com, that's where uh, my quarterback and all my draft work is. Uh, my Eagle stuff is Bleeding Green Nation, and I'm on uh, BGN Radio as well. That's where I cover the birds. Won the Super Bowl, by the way, Kyle. They did. Uh, but that's where all my stuff is. Yes, sir. I'd also like to point out the Eagles drafted Danny Watkins in the first round of that 2011 NFL draft. So that how it was that that was like how first year without training wheels, and that was a little rough. He has since quite handily figured out the NFL draft and the rest of the NFL, and he fleeces them regularly. It's a new age, Kyle, new leaf. Well, we're talking about new blood and new mentality and progressive approach. I think Philadelphia Eagles are a great example, yeah. right? Uh, Excellent example. And I'm, I'm Kyle Krabs. You may have heard of me. I'm one of the co-hosts of the Draft Dudes podcast and uh, director of scouting and NDT scouting, that guy that Ben was passive-aggressively complimenting just a moment ago. Uh, would like to thank you guys for tuning There's no aggressiveness. No passive-aggressive compliments. You know, I'm not calling you Jim Moore Jr. Relax. I'm just saying. It was <laughs> not a direct compliment. You said you had a good director there. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at NET Scouting. Make sure you swing over to NETScouting.com. Pick up your copies of the 2018 NFL Draft Prospectus and Scouting Portfolio from yours truly and Joe Marino. $20 gets you both 600 reports. Download Ben's quarterback or contextualized quarterbacking. It is the most impressive piece of content that I have consumed because it does such a good job setting the table for you to make your own decisions. And I know that, that Ben, that was one of your objectives in presenting this data, was yeah. I want to let the readers make their own decisions. I thought you did a tremendous job doing that. would highly recommend everybody check it out. Joe and I will hopefully be back, barring any technical difficulties, on Friday to continue the Battle of the Board series on the defensive side of the football, where we pick each other's draft boards apart. We have a great time throwing some shade at one another. Kyle Crabb signing off with Ben Solak. Thanks for listening to Draft Dudes Podcast. Everybody, we'll catch up with you on Friday. You've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family's going to a concert in the park, and we want our style to be the main attraction. Rock over to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now get up to 50% off jeans from 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Up to 50% off jeans for the family? That's music to my ears. Plus, now you can get in and out of the store in a flash with buy online, pick up in store. It's fun, fast, and free. Styles that take center stage and free pick up in store when I buy online? Old Navy, here we come. High Fashion, Old Navy. About 720 to 729, select styles only. The style Light Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Oh, what a great audience. Let's dim the lights for this next one. Nope, too much. Ah, there it is. Gotta get things just right. Like Progressive's Name Your Price tool. Tell us what you want to pay and we help you find coverage options that fit your budget. And now, the mood is right. Wait, the lights are back on again. Trudy, can you? And now it's completely dark. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.